can't get enough of the podcast? Lucky for you, our video IQ platform on adorebeauty.com.au houses thousands of articles on skincare, makeup, hair care, and more. Plus, you can find a heap of video tutorials, ingredient spotlights, and brand breakdowns on our YouTube channel. Just click on Beauty IQ in the menu bar of the website or app or search Adore Beauty on YouTube for more beauty content. Welcome everybody to Beauty IQ, the podcast. I'm your host, Joanna Fleming. And I am your co-host, Hannah First. I do really love Vogue Beauty Secrets. Is that what it's called? Yes, I think so. I just love to see what celebrities use. Same. And how they actually do their own makeup. Because you see like on the Kardashians and stuff, you're like, oh, they've always got, you know, a makeup artist or a hairstylist. And of course, they always look amazing if they've got a professional doing their glam every day. But I love to see what they do themselves. Mm, me too. Some are great, some <laughs> yeah. not so great. Yeah, some people like Hailey Bieber, which you'll hear a bonus episode about, like amazing, mm. like great technique, really knows her makeup and her skincare, is just like a beauty girly. Mm. And then there's those that are just not. Well, <laughs> I sent you a video over the weekend because I wanted to get your, like you're probably more the makeup person than I am. Yeah. So it was Kate Hudson doing her brows and you've seen this. So she basically does a dot at the front and then she starts to, it's quite aggressive, like yeah. to really fill it in quite aggressively. And then she uses her fingers. To just rough up her eyebrows. <laughs> well, I think she's using that to blend it because yeah. she's done it. She hasn't done light strokes. She's done like quite severe strokes. And so then she's using her finger to blend it out. And she says, I don't think you'll have ever seen this technique. And I was like, yep, you're right about that. <laughs> well, what do you think of that technique? Look, I think... <sighs> There's a right technique in makeup, but it's kind of whatever works for you. I think whatever you feel works in your makeup routine, that's fine. Like keep mm -hmm. doing whatever you want to do. What she's doing there, I think she's probably had her eyebrows done by Anastasia before mm. because that technique, she lines her eyebrow pencil up with the bridge of her nose on one side. Yep. And if you look at yourself in the mirror and you line a pencil up next to your nose, like going vertically – that's where your eyebrow should start and then you bring it out to the edge of your nose and that's where your arch should be and then the edge of your eye is where the end of your eyebrow should be. So I reckon she has had her eyebrows done before and Anastasia has said, here's how you should start filling in your brows. Don't fill them any closer than that. And she's gone, okay, cool. I'm mm -hmm. going to dot it there and I know where to start and then I'm just going to colour in the rest. Mm. <laughs> and then I'm just going to wipe it out. And I mean, I would normally recommend using a spoolie to blend in your pencil. So if mm. you've done even light strokes, you can then use your spoolie to disperse the crayon and the color a little bit, yeah. which is what I do. I use a pencil for my brows, but I'll then use a spoolie and go through my eyebrows backwards. Mm -hmm. So you're kind of like lifting all of the hairs and really getting the product through so that it looks more natural and like there's not deliberate strokes in there. But it depends how thick your eyebrows are. We both have really thick eyebrows. So, mm. yeah, if I had finer eyebrows, I think I'd maybe have a different technique. Hers seemed a little bit sparse. Hers seemed more sparse and she's fairer mm. in colouring than us. So, look, she's found her technique. And they actually didn't look bad at the end. When I saw her start to do it, I was like, oh, uh, no. <laughs> oh. And then they turned out all right. Was Vogue Beauty Secrets, was that the one where Gwyneth did the dabbing of mm -hmm. SPF? The dabbing of the sunscreen as a highlighter. I'm surprised yeah. that went live. Same. Because as like a content manager, I would have gone, 
yeah, nah, that's actually misinformation, so we can't publish that. Mm. But I guess if that's what the celebrity has produced and that's exactly what they do, you wouldn't be providing their routine if you cut that out. Yeah, it was that was an interesting one. Really, is the content manager of Vogue going to go back to Gwyneth Paltrow and be like, hey, P.S., you shouldn't do that. <laughs> shouldn't do this. I you're about to horrify half the world. <laughs> as someone that works in content as well, that gives me heart palpitations, the thought of like, uh, hi. <laughs> well, we have to do it quite regularly. And for those that aren't in roles like this, when you're working with influencers that aren't in beauty, sometimes you do have to go back to them and say, sorry, but the amount of sunscreen you applied isn't correct. We don't want that to be portrayed as the correct amount of sunscreen to use, or you shouldn't be using the dropper on your face. So can we just reshoot that so that it's not touching your face? Things like that. It's awkward, but like you kind of have to make sure that they're portraying the product correctly Mm. at the end of the day, which Vogue didn't do, but that's fine. (laughs) That's their prerogative. Well, anyway, Joe, what is on today's episode? So on today's episode, we are actually chatting. I'm so excited for this. We're chatting to someone from Embarrassing Bodies Down Under. Amazing. I love this. We're talking embarrassing, but I don't know how we've gotten through this many episodes of this podcast without doing that yet, but love. we've got Dr. Brad McKay coming on, so we're very excited for that. And then you and I are creating a whole makeup kit for under $150, which we both really struggled to do. <laughs> I haven't tried that many. Cheap- <laughs> I sent Joe an email and I said, I haven't really tried that many cheap products. <laughs> Lucky I have. I went through and I actually was surprised that I tried more than I thought I had. Yeah. And of course, our products, we didn't know we needed. So Hannah and I have already discussed how excited we are for this particular chat with Dr. Brad McKay. He's an Australian doctor, author, and appeared on Embarrassing Bodies Down Under. Welcome to the podcast. Uh, Thank you for having me. It's our pleasure. We're super excited. Embarrassing Bodies is like pretty much the reason we do one of the segments on this podcast called our Cringy Combo. (laughs) And we cover all the things that are normally considered taboo or people don't like to talk about. And I think that's the whole ethos of Embarrassing Bodies. Yeah, that's my whole life. Uh, So (laughs) working as a GP, doing a lot of sexual health. Yeah. This show was kind of dedicated to decreasing that stigma and raising awareness around taboo topics. What was it actually like working on the show? It was kind of surreal. Like I ended up getting headhunted for the show originally. So I got this weird call out of the blue saying, would you be interested in appearing on your favourite show ever? (laughs) (laughs) Best day of your life. (laughs) What? Yeah. So I just thought I was being punked because I like loved embarrassing bodies from the UK uh, for years. And then, yeah, being asked to do the Australian version, I was just like, oh, my God, like totally over the moon. Uh, From that, like uh, working in general practice, I'd done a little bit of TV work with the project on Channel 10 and then was sort of like thrown into a truck in the middle of Parramatta or down in Dandenong and then uh, having cameras going and trying to do my normal day job. Wow. As I normally would. Forget the cameras are there. Yeah, interview (laughs) patients, get a good history, examine them and yeah, trying to make them really comfortable when you have a camera sort of shining right at your groin. So, do they literally walk in off the street or are they like encouraged to come to the van from like another GP clinic or something? Some of the patients that we saw, we sort of had connections or specialists had a particular case that they were really Mm -hmm. interested in. 
and they thought that that would be good for the general public to see as well. So that was really awesome. Okay. Uh, and then we also just had, we turned up the truck in, in Dandenong, we turned up in Parramatta, and people literally just came in off the street. Was there a sign saying that you're filming? And We would just take our truck into the middle of the local shopping centre with big embarrassing bodies down under signs. And, uh, and everyone sort of trusted the brand already. A few people I would sort of say, oh, well, why are you here? Like, why are you sharing your story with the world when you've sort of been embarrassed about talking about it previously? And often like, off camera, they'd say, well, we just sort of trust the doctors that are going to be part of the show. And we know that we're not going to be ridiculed. We know that we're not going to be laughed at. We know that our problem will be taken seriously and respectfully. And that's why we're here, which is great for the brand of embarrassing bodies, but terrible for the brand of general practitioners uh, around Australia uh, when people don't feel comfortable to see their own doctor about it. What were the concerns from patients that you saw coming up throughout the show? Were there like any themes that came up with patients? Yeah. So one of the themes was just really tricky, rare problems that often people had seen doctors previously and just hadn't been getting an appropriate diagnosis and didn't know where to go with management, sort of got to the end of of a line and didn't really know what the next step was. And so we saw a lot of those patients come through and were able to like tap into expert opinions and try to figure out the the puzzle for them. So that was really satisfying. The other part was just like really, really common everyday things. So uh, we saw so many people coming in with psoriasis, a flaky skin disorder, sort of treat it with steroids and it gets better and then you stop using steroids and then it comes back again. And so there were just lots and lots of people that sort of wanted a definitive cure for a chronic problem. We had to like turn away people in the end who had psoriasis because we're like, we've already got <laughs> so so many cases. Mm. Yeah. So, and again, like we were showing like the worst of the worst. So I think yeah. one, one of our patients <laughs> had what he described as nappy rash with like terrible like perianal psoriasis. So all around his backside. So every time he's wiping with toilet paper, yeah, bleeding, oh. painful, horrible. So it was sort of like encouraging for a lot of people who did have like common everyday psoriasis and other areas of their body. It sort of just normalized things a lot. I guess in terms of the severity of the cases that you were seeing, we see quite full on cases over in the UK and our health system is quite good here. I won't say it's the best ever, but it's quite good. Were the cases in the UK a lot more intense than what were shown here or kind of the same? Yeah, so we were thinking that, oh, well, the UK has got the NHS, but there's lots of Mm. delays with care. You have to only see your GP and and the the clinic that you're assigned to. In Australia, we have a lot better range. You can go and see whichever doctor you want to see. You can be referred to whichever specialist you're wanting to see. We didn't really know if we'd see the same problems that that we've seen in the UK, but we just saw so many issues that were very similar. One of the cultural aspects of embarrassing bodies over in the UK is that they have been going for years. So I think there are yeah, up to about like 10 or 11, 12 seasons. So it became an institution over there. And now they've got a reboot of it at the moment. But over that time, it also filtered through and they got more and more sort of yeah, really crazy cases from mining people in society and, and growing that brand. So certainly from having a first season in Australia, we still saw lots and lots of extreme things. If we were able to keep on going and have further seasons, you don't know what you'll really find around the traps of Australia. 
That's so interesting that in the UK you have to see the same doctor. I didn't realize. When you move over there, you need to register with wow. the clinic. So, yeah. And what happens if your doctor's busy and you've got an emergency? Uh, then you wait for about three to four weeks or longer. Mm. Yeah. It's a long, a long time. Yeah. So, what was the most memorable story from your time on Embarrassing Bodies Down Under from that first season? There were lots of memorable stories. The one that sort of, yeah, that I loved the most was really quite simple. And it was, uh, it was a young young girl who came in and she was basically telling me that she was really worried about not having a chin. When you sort of like look at her, you're like, mm, what's, what's the problem? Like, I don't, I don't see what the major issue is. But she also like styled her hair forward a little bit to sort of cover up and camouflage things. Uh, but when she like pulled her hair back and put her chin up, you could just sort of see that her chin hadn't grown properly. And so she just was always self-conscious about this problem. So every time she looked in the mirror, it was just an issue for her. She was camouflaging it to look fine in, in other people's eyes. But when she brought it up, it was like, oh, okay, well, we need to we need to be dealing with this. And so she ended up getting a chin plant. It wasn't anything too crazy. Like sometimes we'll break people's jaws and then bring their jaws forward. She didn't want to go through all of that for it and her teeth were actually aligned okay, so she didn't have to. It was just a simple chin plant, a chin implant of silicon that was inserted just underneath the skin and it just advanced her chin out so it was at a, at a normal level like everybody else yeah she came back in to be seen the post-op interview with myself and it was always this joyous experience because you get to see how much of a difference it was changing in her confidence mm. and her ability to just like talk genuinely about it and it was just such a, a pleasure mm. to, to be part of that process and, and see her gain so much confidence what shocked me about like the UK seasons is that people will walk around with like a gaping wound on their leg and like just pack it every day, put a cover over it and just get on with their day. And then they come in and they're like, yeah, it's fine. I just do this every day. Like, did you come across any of that where you're just like, how is this person living with this day in, day out? Did you encounter cases like that? Yeah, all the time. One of the other cases who came at the doors was a really lovely guy. He, like, you couldn't tell anything from looking at him, but he complained of having a testicle the size of a mango. Over a period of about sort of six to eight months, a cyst around his testicle had started to grow. And so it got to about the size of an apple, then an orange, and then he... And he hadn't been to his doctor. Well, he'd seen a doctor and, and had a oh. bit of a workup. So it was on a really long waiting list. For surgery, which is, which is just extreme. But uh, in the meantime, it was sort of like a lesson that you really need to advocate for your care. So he had done what he thought he could do and he had put himself on the waiting list and he'd talked to a surgeon about it and everything was set to go. And so he was just waiting. But in the meantime, like this orange was becoming a mango. He was in a situation where he couldn't wear underwear. He came in wearing khaki shorts, um, like camo shorts because he couldn't fit into any of his other clothing. He couldn't work because he it was impossible for him to drive because he couldn't push his foot on the accelerator or the brake because his testicle was in the way. Oh my God. And so it was affecting his ability to finance him and his family, now starting to get in a lot of pain as well. Mm. So he was sort of like coming in to talk about the testicle, but also like talk about pain relief for it and sort of like see what could be done sooner regarding uh, an operation. So yeah, people put up with things for a lot. And 
Yeah, sometimes if things are getting worse, if you're on the surgical list, but you're in a lot more agony, and if that lump is growing a lot bigger, then you need to not wait. <laughs> you need to be talking with your GP. You need to be seeing the surgeon again. You need to be advocating for your own health so you can get some solutions earlier. That's actually a really good point. And it was leading into my next question, which was obviously there's not embarrassing bodies on every corner and we can't all walk in there. But how would you encourage people to normalize talking to your GP about anything and everything if something like that does pop up that you're not that comfortable talking about? How can you approach it with your GP? I approach it from being a GP, so I'm a little mm. bit biased in my view. <laughs> so I think one thing is if you've got a GP who you see all the time, but you really don't like them and you don't get along with them and you're worried that if you say something embarrassing that they'll react oddly, then get another GP. Yeah. Like there's lots of us around and sometimes we sort of get in a routine, we get in a rut, we see the same GP that our parents have seen. And so often you do need to advocate for yourself and you need to find somebody separate from your family because otherwise you're not going to get the care that you need and you're not going to be feeling able to be honest with your health practitioner. So so I think that's that's important. I think a lot of people rely on bulk billing general practitioners yes. as well and that's getting a little bit more rare um, as time goes on because the government's not funding general practices as much as what they need to um, and haven't been doing that for decades. And so you get to a situation where often people are seeing uh, a durin, they're, they're having it bulk billed because they're not paying for it, but then they're also not getting the service that they're needing. Mm. I think one of the key parts of it is to preface what you're saying. Mm -hmm. So if you're about to show them some part of your body that you're deeply embarrassed about, it's always good to say, okay, I would like to share with you a problem that I've had for a long time. And I'd like to share this problem with you because if you're there going, oh my God, yes, I've got this weird symptom and I think I've got cancer, then tell your doctor that that's your worry about it. Or else if it is something that's really embarrassing or intimate, say like, I'm, I'm wanting to share this problem with you because I've been dealing with it for a couple of years now. I've never shown anybody else before and I'm deeply embarrassed about it. Mm -hmm. And I am desperate for your assistance and your care. And if you're prefacing it in that way, then whatever you say, whatever lump or bump or rash that you're going to show your doctor, then hopefully they will be able to treat you with respect and be able to address those issues in a respectful manner and also be able to answer those questions and say look it's it's unsightly but it's not cancer mm -hmm. you're not going to die from this this is okay there is treatment for this it sort of gives us a bit of a guide for how we need to approach the issue and and what will actually be reassuring for you at mm. the end of the consultation. That's a really good insight. I actually found my doctor through word of mouth. I, I was talking to my friend about what doctor she goes to. She's like, oh, I go to this lady. I was like, oh, okay, I'll try her. I haven't been to like a good one yet. And I ended up sticking <laughs> with this doctor and she was great because like my friend had recommended her. She had a really good experience. I was like, oh, fantastic. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I often find that word of mouth through friends is really good because if, if you get along well with your friend and your friend gets along well with your GP, yeah. then often like your personality mm. styles <laughs> mix really well. So I'll <laughs> often like see just whole groups of friends will come in separately <laughs> and they'll say, oh yeah, my friend told me about you. Like they're obviously talking about me at the pub or something. Yeah. You kind of like know their sense of humor and you know mm. that you're, yeah, you're going to interact quite, quite well. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for joining us today to chat all things embarrassing bodies. We've absolutely loved getting some insights from you. And I feel like I'm going to spend tonight watching reruns. Uh, I've been inspired <laughs> to go back and watch the old episodes. Thank you so much for joining us today, Dr. Brad. Well, there's no shame. We're all the same. So. <laughs> <laughs> thank you for having me.
Okay, now our producer Kiara set this task for us to create a whole makeup kit for under 150. I think we've done this years ago. I have this feeling that we've done this before. I don't think I would have participated because I do not wear cheap okay. makeup. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, luckily I do. I've got a number of cheap makeup items. Do you know what I was going to do? I was going to do like three products each $50 and just say, yep, that's all I'd wear. Yeah. <laughs> just wear my Estee Lauder double wear, my Hula bronzer and my... Estee Lauder Sumptuous Rebels. Yeah, that would have been against the rules. <laughs> yeah, 150. Well, that would have been circa 2017, Hannah. Yes. Prior to Adore Beauty. But you've participated. You've made some selections here, which is good. To be honest with you, pre-Adore Beauty, Hannah, was way cheaper. I used to buy $12, like, oil. It was like putting oil on your face, like a $12 foundation. I thought you used to wear MAC Studio Fix. No, I did later on, but there was a time when I used, like, $12 foundation that was just very oily did not look good not for me well I've used nearly every single product I've recommended there's one product in my list that I haven't used myself so I'm going to start with primer have you got a primer in yours no (laughs) (laughs) off to a great start (laughs) no 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 listen I chose a matte foundation so I'm just going to use my moisturizer yep all right yep Okay, no worries. I haven't tried any cheapy primers. No, that's okay. That's okay. It's fine. I chose the designer brand Skin Quencher Primer, which is $15. It's in blue packaging. It's really nice and hydrating, great for, I would say, normal to combo to slightly dry skins. Oilier skins probably want something a little bit more mattifying. And our very dry skins, I would be using like a cream underneath, like a It Cosmetics Confidence in a Cream kind of vibe. But that's a really nice primer. Foundation I found really tricky because I thought I had a budget one, but it didn't fit into the 150. So I've got two options there. So one is semi-budget and then the other is budget-budget. So what's yours? What did you pick? I haven't tried this, sorry, but it has 125-star reviews on the website. Megan loves this one. Great. The reason I chose this was because I'd heard other people saying it was really good. Yeah. It's the Maybelline Fit Me Matte and Poreless. Mm -hmm. Got a lot of five-star reviews on the website. It's only $21.95. And I felt like that really sounded like it would fit my Mm -hmm. skin, matte and poreless. Exactly what I'm looking for. Does Megan like that one? Megan loves that one. Okay. Swears by it. My first selection was going to be the L'Oreal Paris True Match Nude Plumping Tinted Serum, which I absolutely love. It's such a good product. I honestly think that you should give it a a whirl. It's so nice for summer. It just gives you the most beautiful, luminous glow. Every time I wear it, people are like, oh my God, your skin looks so nice. And I'm like, it's literally the foundation. I've seen some Instagram videos on that. It does look really nice. It's $40, but most of the time you can get L'Oreal Paris on Mm -hmm. sale somewhere. So honestly, I feel like it would fit into the budget if we were considering it on sale. But the other one that I put in was the Designer Brands Hydrating Luminous Foundation, which is $20. I haven't had a bottle of that for a long time, but I used to be obsessed with it. Early days of this podcast, I would talk about it all the time. And on my Instagram, I'll talk about it all the time. 20 bucks, excellent formula, stunning for normal to dry skins. It is really hydrating. It's glowy. It's just gorgeous. I think they wanted to emulate Giorgio Armani Luminous Silk with it when they created it, but 
I don't know, could be wrong. Concealer. I've selected the designer brands Skin Renew Concealer. So hydrating ceramide infused concealer. I only really use concealer just under the eyes. And actually, even though I like a matte foundation, I don't like a matte concealer. I find that goes a little bit too cakey under my eyes. That one is $16.99. Bargain. Absolute bargain. It's also got the doe foot applicator and a sponge applicator. What's yours? I went with the Maybelline Instant Age Rewind Eraser Concealer. That's $20. I've used that for a long time. I've still got one here. That's the one with a little sponge on the end. Most of you would have seen it around somewhere. A lot of people use it. It's just a really nice concealer. I don't like the applicator, if I'm being honest. Like I feel like it could have been in a doe foot, but I mean, the sponge is easy to apply, but I just always wonder like, oh, should I be cleaning mm, that? Yeah. But yeah. I don't know. That's my selection for concealer. And it is a really good concealer. What do we got next? Bronzer. I went for the e.l.f. Primer Infused Bronzer. This is the one I haven't used before. It's $14. And I realized that I'm missing a brow product from my list. Now that I look at yours, I'm (laughs) missing a brow product. So I've definitely gone over. I did notice that, but I didn't say anything. But I can, off the top of my head, literally without looking at the website, I can recommend the designer brand's pencil. I don't know what the name is. It's got a little angled tip and also this, I think it's called Skinny Brow by L'Oreal Paris, I want to say. I've used both of those. I've really liked them. So they can be my selections. I couldn't tell you how much they are because I'm not looking at them on the site. But what did you go for bronzer and brows? So I actually did bronzer slash eyeshadow. Ah, good idea. The Balm have got really good bronzers. Like I initially was like- And blushes. Yeah, like how am I going to do it? Like I wanted to just choose the mini benefit because it was $30, Mm -hmm. but I was like, that's cheating. So it's the Balm Bahama Mama. It's their bronzer, but they also have Take Home, the bronze anti-orange bronzer. They've got like quite a few different bronzers. They've got Sexy Mama- Love all the names. So you can sort of choose the one that is right for your skin tone. That one is Mm $22.95. I obviously for blush picked the L'Oreal Paris Melon Dollar Baby, which I've talked about a lot as well across this podcast and my own Instagram. Is that powder or is it cream? It's a powder. Mm -hmm. It's a powder one. And I usually will put my cream blush underneath, my Huda Beauty blush stick, and then I'll put this over the top. This is $30, but again, with L'Oreal Paris, you can get it on sale a lot of the time. I picked an eye palette because I didn't think to use my bronzer. (laughs) I got the designer brand's Peach Goddess eye palette, which is $13. That's such a bargain. Absolute bargain. $13 for an eye palette. There's a lot in there. It's not like a one pot. $13 for a whole eye palette. So that's, yeah, amazing. So I've chosen the Maybelline Cheek Heat Gel Cream Blush. I felt like someone said that this Mm. was like a dupe for the Glossier. So it's a water-based formula. It's got a sheer finish. So it's a cream gel blush. $16.95. $16.95. Oh, so good. Good little dupe. Mascara. This was easy because I use budget mascaras. I thought this one would be more like the $15 mark, but it's actually $29. The L'Oreal Paris Telescopic Mascara in the gold tube. What did you go with? Because you like the Estee Lauder. I had to choose a tubing mascara. So it's the Maybelline Snapscara yeah. Waterproof Defining Mascara. So that one is a waterproof tubing mascara. And I actually saw it on Hannah English. She posted about that being a good, affordable tubing mascara. 
Ah, okay. Yeah. It's hard to find. Oh, it's easier now to find affordable tubing mascaras, which if you don't know what that is, it like tubes your lashes so that it doesn't, you don't get like the panda eyes. Yeah. Great for oily skins and etc. I think lastly, for me, it's lips. So I went with the designer brand's Lavish Lip Gloss, which I have tried before. Ten bucks. Cheap. Very yeah. cheap. I, mine's a little bit more expensive, but mine's a plumping gloss. I used to be obsessed with this. I love like lip plumping gloss. Like I used to be so obsessed with it. <laughs> that doesn't surprise me. My only issue with lip plumping gloss is like that only lasts. Like I feel like it only plumps your lips while it's stinging and then it like doesn't anymore. If anyone wants to see a video on on all of the lip plumping glosses that we have. We actually have one on YouTube that only went up recently and Chloe tried pretty much all of the lip plumping glosses that we have. That sounds really good. So go and check that out if you want to see how they look. Yeah, so I remember trying this ages ago. It's the Elf Lip Plumping Gloss. It's only $16, which is actually really affordable for a plumping gloss because, like, I remember back in the day I think I went into, like, I won't say the name, but I went into a beauty store. I was going to be, like, 40 bucks for like a lip plumping gloss. It's like they're putting a premium on just like, what's the active ingredient? Like chili? I think it's usually peppermint oil. Oh, okay. I believe yeah. there's probably some other elements in there as well, but I think a lot of them do contain peppermint oil. Yes, that is mine. The only thing that I had on my list that I hadn't tried, but I feel like I need a contour, like a cream contour. I don't know how I'd survive without it. I haven't tried this, but it had good reviews. Barry M. Chisel Cheek Contour Creams Duo, $19.95. But I read the reviews and it actually sounded like people said it was really good. Okay. So I think that's the price is right on that one. Well, I think we need to know what everyone else's budget picks are. So that we can try some more budget. I love budget makeup. Like I will try the most expensive, but I'll also try the cheapest stuff as well. I just love to see what's out there. So if anyone has any recommendations. I must be a bit of a makeup snub. (laughs) I think you are. Yeah. I'm just learning that about you now. I honestly didn't think I was until you set me this task. Yeah. So I struggled, but I feel like I did okay. You did all right. Yeah. Well, tell us in the Facebook group if there's any products that you think we need to try that are in an affordable price range. Let us know. We're open to hearing it. Product we didn't know we needed, Hannah. We've gone from a budget segment, so makeup for under 150, and now I'm about to do a product I didn't know I needed. Oh no! I know what you're about to say because this brand, like, oh I my know. god, you're about to say something, some sort of insane price for this. It's cream. ridiculous. Five hundred, four fifty, three hundred and fifty-nine dollars. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. Not as bad <laughs> as I thought. <laughs> Pretty bad. <laughs> as but I was I was expecting a 500 hear me out okay Okay. I had a sample of this product and I have tried their serum which is very popular their first care serum the brand is Sulwasu very very popular Korean brand the product that I have selected as my product I didn't know I needed today is the concentrated ginseng renewing cream as I mentioned this is 359 dollars it is not for everyone, but can I say, holy shit, it is lush. Oh, it is just divine. The texture is like nothing I've ever tried before. My skin glowing the next day. Creamy texture. Yeah, creamy texture. It's comforting. It smells nice. 
it feels just luxurious on your skin. Like you can tell it's expensive. I've tried a few of these. Remember how YSL had the saffron? Yes, I yeah. do. Yeah. And I remember trying it and I was like, oof, this feels expensive. And it was. You would want it to feel expensive for that price. And look, one of the reviews does say, despite the hefty price tag, this moisturizer works really well on the drier skin, especially aged mm. skin. It softens it, leaving it bright and luminous, which I 1000% agree with. And I don't even have mature skin, but I just needed to give it a go. It was in my sample cupboard. And I'm like, after that episode we did on the most expensive products you've bought and someone said this product, I was like, oh. Oh, they did. Yes, they did. I think I might give that a crack because I had it. I didn't know how expensive it was. It was just sitting in there. Sitting in your pile of products. Uh, yeah. Sitting on a gold mine. Yeah. Yeah. I'm lucky I didn't give it away to someone. <laughs> I know. I know. So. Yeah, I've been trying it. Now, my skin is a little bit oilier than it used to be, but it still seems to be working for my skin. But it's, God, it's expensive. I just don't know if I can spruik it. The one that I have is 60 mils. There is a 30 mil version though. But you use a moisturizer probably twice a day, or you might want to use this one just at night. But it's, yeah, it's real <laughs> nice. That's all I've got to say. I don't want to say anything more. That's, that's actually officially, because remember we product we didn't know we needed was all about the products we didn't need that we thought like so you're actually you're going back to the roots yes. of this segment yeah, true this is what it was all about yeah <laughs> mine is the estee lauder advanced night repair eye supercharged gel cream long name so basically estee lauder have reformulated their eye cream so what i really like about this one it's like a gel well it says it in the name but it's like a gel which i really like for an eye cream because i find if i use anything and i and this has happened in the past if i use anything that's really heavy and creamy i can get like a little bit of milia it's a gel but it feels really hydrating like it feels like a moisturizer even though it's lightweight. It's like a lightweight moisturizer texture. And I would say because it's got hyaluronic acid, it definitely helps to plump and hydrate the under eye area. It's also got antioxidants like vitamin E and it's got one of, you know, Estee Lauder, they've got one of their exclusive, it's called FR Defense Technology. Who knows what that is? <laughs> that is to resist and neutralize free radical damage. Right. <laughs> but actually what they've said that they've said it will plump and hydrate the under eye area for up to 100 hours. Whoa, that's a long time. It's okay. a big call. <laughs> I, I'm just reading what – I didn't say it. I'm reading what's on the website. I do really, really like it. I, I love the texture, so I think it's really nice and hydrating. Also, let's see the price. Yes, it is quite expensive. It's $118. But mm -hmm. someone did say in the reviews it was expensive but worth it. She said it's got a – great smooth gel texture and feels very luxurious. Agree. So I would definitely agree with that. If you're looking for a new eye cream, I would really, and you like, and especially if you like the Estee Lauder Advanced Night Repair, I think you'll really, really like this. I need to crack open a new Advanced Night Repair. I finished one a couple of months ago and I just forget all the things that I used to have. I do really, I mean, we talk about that a lot. We both really like that serum. I really do like it. Yeah. And I do like that eye cream as well. Eye gel, whatever they want to call it. <laughs> it's a gel cream, actually. Joanna. Sorry, gel cream. Gel, gel cream. Gel um, dash apologies. cream. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, they spell it creme, creme, gel oh, creme. Gel creme. Yep. Sorry, my apologies. <laughs> Breaking news in celebrity world. Okay, 
well, first of all, Pete Davidson and Amrata have been seen at a basketball game together. But I did say that, yeah. That's not what we're talking about today. Drake gifted DJ Khaled, I think it was four toilets. <laughs> four toilets? Why? Did he go over to his house and he was like, not enough toilets in this place? You need more. Here we go. Drake gifts DJ Khaled high-end toilets. And DJ Khaled was so excited about it that he posted a video to his Instagram. They were very expensive toilets. What an interesting gift. You know what? That's something to get the person that has everything. It's a high-end toilet. So, okay, it's the Neo Rest NX1 dual flush toilet worth nearly $8,000. So four times eight would be 32,000. I don't remember my times tables. So the luxury toilets have UV cleaning, remote control operation, heated seats, oof, and built-in speakers. And DJ Khaled has stated they are the best present he's ever received. Okay. So... Random. I love celebrities. I like the UV cleaning because it would always be sterilized. I like the seat warming. Does it have a, a bum cleaner in it? Oh, most importantly, does it have a bidet? I don't think so. Well, that's a no from me then. I would love a bidet. I've been thinking about it a lot. You know, you can just get an attachment from like Bunnings and attach it to your toilet and you can just have like the bum gun. I need a bum gun. Why don't I get that for you for your birthday? <laughs> Thank you. I miss the bum gun. Yeah. Like, okay. You just once you go bum gun, it's really hard to go back to just wiping. Yeah. So, sorry to say. <laughs> <laughs> All right, your birthday present sorted. <laughs> it's just more hygienic. Yeah. No, I've been thinking about it a lot since we did that segment on it, and I do agree. I think Australians need to be onto the bum gun. Same. I agree. On that note, see you next week. See you next week. <laughs> Thanks, everyone, for joining us today. Don't forget to subscribe and tell your friends. It helps other people to discover us. And also, we really want to know what you thought about this podcast. So if you can leave us a review, that would be much appreciated. Bye.